Hello, my name's Ran. And I'm Joe. And this is the Flow Artist Podcast. Every episode, we speak with inspiring movers, thinkers, and teachers about how they find their flow and much, much more. Hey, Joe. Hey, Ran. How's it going? Good, thanks. So, if you haven't guessed already, this is a Ran and Joe episode. So, just the two of us talking today. We had a few things we wanted to share with you, and we also decided it'd be a good idea, seeing as we haven't done one of these for a while, to actually ask some people to ask us some questions. So it's not just me and you talking to each other. Not that we don't. Yeah, we talk to each other all the time. We do, <laughs> we do. We talk quite often. And we also realised we've kind of missed our This Many Years On Now What episode, which mm. we used to do every year because we've actually been doing the podcast for over five years now. We started in October 2017. Wow. Uh, I know. <laughs> that's, that's quite a while, isn't it? So what's been going on in your world, Ron? Well, I guess the first thing I'd like to talk about is just over in New Zealand, obviously Cyclone Gabrielle has hit and the effects of that have been pretty devastating, to be honest. I've been following what's been happening, watching lots of news articles on, on YouTube and just seeing the level of devastation there is quite disheartening and, and loss of lives is incredibly sad and I think the cleanup is going to take some time as we record this I think uh, Napier is still largely out of power They're gr- very gradually building reconnections with the rest of the world my, my family's personally on the west coast of the North Island so they weren't too badly affected by this but a lot of the damage was up in the far north of the North Island, but in Auckland, Coromandel, and on the East Coast. So, yeah, a lot of bad stuff there. So I have not yet donated, but I do intend to very soon, and I will put the some links on where people can donate money to as well in our show notes. So I just wanted to, to acknowledge that, and anyone listening my, my who's from New Zealand, my heart really goes out to you. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been pretty brutal seeing that and also seeing what's happening in like Syria and Turkey Mm -hmm. as well. It's just like one disaster after another. I will change pace. Mm -hmm. Time for some happier news. Yeah, so we're coming up to 10 years of Garden of Yoga here in Northcush on beautiful Wawandri land in the Kulin Nation. So I want to celebrate that like... I've always from the beginning had a bit of a dream of integrating like art and creativity in with yoga because that's kind of how it is in my life, but I haven't really been sharing it that much publicly. So that's what I'd like to do with this celebration. I'm going to have some of my art as an exhibition. I'm going to make an installation. I'm going to do a live communal mandala building workshop, which is a variation of a workshop that I've taught at a few festivals, but I've never taught it here. And I'm going to integrate some plants and some leaves and flowers from our garden. And one of the things that I love about a mandala is it's all these different little unique parts that come together to make this like harmonious, beautiful whole. So that feels like a really nice metaphor for our community here. So I'm really excited to share that. Anna Amarillis, who's a local artist who was a student here, is going to be painting a mural live on the day. And I am going to put the workshop link up on our website in our workshop section. It's going to be on April 16th on a Sunday afternoon. 
And just touching back to what Ram was talking about with everything going on in the world, rather than making this a prescriptive fundraiser, it's going to be a free event, but we invite you to donate to a cause of your choice that's close to your heart. The Asylum Seekers Resource Centre here in Melbourne is super struggling financially right now because of a drop in donations. So that's another place that you could support. And as soon as I planned all of this and started getting a bit excited about it, my party fear kicked in and I started feeling a bit anxious. Are people going to come? Is it going to be a success? This is the first workshop I've done post-COVID and I've had a lot of reschedules and cancellations and just to <laughs> didn't leave the whole workshop situation on a good note through those times. So that's also something that I'm going to talk about in this episode, some of the strategies that I've been working with from one of our previous guests, Chris Cheers, who's got an awesome new book out called The New Rule Book. And should I just launch into telling you all about that, run? Absolutely. Yeah. So I really appreciated Chris's episode at the time. When we spoke to him, it was just when lockdowns were ending, but there was still a lot of case numbers in the community and how we navigate all of that. And that actually felt like a therapy session for us at that time. And so I've always really appreciated everything he shared on Instagram. And I was really excited to have a longer book to kind of sink my teeth into. And it's so good. Like the advice is so good. I'm not a self-help book fan normally, but it's really practical. And even just about my party fear, my event anxiety that started to come up, he was like, oh, Anytime you're planning something big that's meaningful to you, it's really natural to feel anxious about that because you care about it and it's close to your heart and you are pushing a little bit outside of your comfort zone. I was like, oh, that was a very helpful reframe. And he's all about trying to live a meaningful life. So don't focus on trying to be happy and trying to do things to do that. Focus on the things that make meaning in your life, the people you care about, those relationships and then the happiness will come. Like another section that I really appreciated is his section on self-care because it is a topic that we hear a lot about in the yoga world and how often it can be commercialized. It can be, you know, have a bath and get a massage, but he is more about us care. So the things that you do that will really help you care for yourself actually also about caring for your community. So it can be your little local community of friends. It can be like other groups that you're a part of and putting energy into those relationships and doing things that you care about in the world is about caring for yourself. And this is kind of a metaphor that I thought was also helpful. If we think of self-care as refilling our cup, like those little things to do to help you feel better every day. We might be missing the bigger picture that maybe you need to mend the hole in that cup or get a new cup. So it's more strategies about working out like what's important and what's meaningful for you, like where maybe that's lacking in your life and like the little everyday actions that you can do to work towards that bigger, more meaningful life. And even just stuff like, say you don't feel like your work is meaningful but you really believe in taking care of your family, like that's a way that you can kind of bring meaning to that work that might be feeling a bit dry or a bit dull or something that's not speaking to your soul. So I thought it was really grounded. I thought it was really wise and very all about your humanity, all about everyone's different. And just here are little things that you can do every day that end up being really big changes. And here's a way that you can look at that big picture of your whole life and 
yeah, I guess just get a different perspective on it. Beautiful. So thanks, Chris. Cheers. Yeah, thank you. So I guess from one psychologist to another, yeah, <laughs> we had our episode with Dr. Esme Dark recently, and that got a lot of amazing feedback that we we saw online and all over the place. Should yeah, I read one to, out? Yeah. Philip says, really clear and accessible answers to some of the best questions I've heard on the topic. So refreshing to hear how honoured you are to be doing this slash your work too. Excellent. And there's also some other news around that perhaps you'd like to. Yeah. So the TGA has planned, planned to reschedule psilocybin and MDMA for prescription by psychiatrists in July of this year. And obviously that is really great news, but also there are some people in the community of psychedelic research and psychiatry who and psychology who have some concerns about this reclassification and maybe there hasn't been the necessary training and infrastructure and really understanding of how this can be helpful. And I guess the concern is we're talking about the people who are really vulnerable with their mental health. They are the people who would be getting these medicines and you can't just send someone home with a bag of mushrooms and leave them to it. Like that's not how this is really going to be helping people in a medical context. And Esme shared an article by her boss in the clinical trial that she is doing, and I'll put that in our show notes, because one of the things that she mentioned is their experiment is 11 sessions and only two of them actually involve psilocybin. So the rest of them are about preparation and integration and that is not part of mental health training at the moment because this is so new. So are people going to be equipped to be able to really help people with these medicines? And if things go wrong, then how much is it going to set this whole new paradigm backwards? And yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff to talk about. And it is like really positive that mm -hmm. perception is shifting around this and how helpful it can be for people and just everything we spoke about at the start of this episode with everything going on in the world, like I think we need resources as humanity. But yeah, I think it'd be great to hear more conversations about this and maybe like more of a framework for practitioners as well as patients. Beautiful. So next, I believe we have a question from Laura Wilson McGinn. And obviously our last episode was Laura and Ian. We got a lot of amazing feedback about that episode as well. A lovely couple that, for those who haven't heard the episode, Ian is a, a police detective, is that correct? Yeah, yep. he, but also he's an educator. He has a PhD mm -hmm. in Indigenous studies. And Laura's a, a lawyer. and Yeah, and she does like a lot of human rights and kind of policy work as well with that. And she also is a teacher. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yep, they both teach yoga with Move Like You Yoga. So she asked the questions. Love to hear more of your backgrounds and about the challenges that you have faced. Highs and lows of opening business, moving through lockdown and weathering that storm. So Joe, do you want to speak to Yeah. That? I mean, like people who don't know, like I kind of came from a background in visual art and Ryan's a web developer and we have our little home studio, Garden of Yoga. And I mean, I feel like we were in a very privileged position, firstly, just to have a stable home, but also through the lockdowns and everything, our studio is in our back garden and we didn't have an external place that we were paying rent on and we weren't paying teachers as well. So I think being small and pretty much the two of us doing everything is what helped us weather that particular storm. And 
it kind of shifted the way I thought about how I'd want the studio to grow because I have tried having other teachers and it just never quite worked out. But maybe we should just stay small and teach all the classes ourselves and Ran does our technology stuff online. Because of the podcast, we were able to move to teaching online really easily because we already had all of the gear and also Ran's pretty savvy about putting videos and things up online. So that and, was... and we also got a grant from the Derebin City Council. Yeah, we got so, two grants was... from the local council. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was pretty useful there. That, that certainly helped out a lot. And, you know, also I, I went back to doing more IT work, so we weren't so reliant on the, on the income from the studio. And maybe that's like a realisation as well that like, oh, maybe it's actually better for us when you are working four days a week at a, another place that you feel really good about, like you're doing, doing meaningful work there at the separation guide as well, rather than trying to put all our eggs in the studio basket when it turns out it's kind of a small basket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she also asked, love to hear how you balance all the things of running businesses and relationship and life. So one thing that's been a bit of a game changer for us is a concept we like to call midweek weekend. And it's not even a weekend for Ran because he teaches at the studio in the evening, but he doesn't do his office job during the day. And I don't teach any classes on a Wednesday. And it's just been so good having a day off together during the week. Like sometimes we do fun stuff. Sometimes we catch up on work stuff. Sometimes we like have life a little admin. date night. Yeah, we'll do yeah. our life admin, sleep in. And I don't know, I think when you work on the weekend and you work from home, every day can kind of end up kind of being half working, but also not being super productive either. And having midweek weekend, it means we can like get to the stuff that we haven't had time for, but also just like hang out and do fun stuff. And I love it. Yep. Me too. Me too. We usually do our workout together in the morning as well. We do. So I guess the next question is from Beata Heyman of Breath Circle, the episode we had with her was another incredible episode and she asked has your experience creating the garden of yoga podcast changed the way that you teach or share your own work i think it definitely has i fully appreciate the benefit of mentoring and i'm just really lucky that we have all of these amazing like experts come to the podcast that i can ask the questions that have been on my mind and you all get to hear the answers as well Thinking way back to when we were going from our little original studio, which was just like a converted shed with room for three people, like we talked to a lot of people on the podcast while that building process was going on that actually really shaped how we built our newer studio. Like one person in particular was Sarah Harry, who sadly is no longer with us from Fat Yoga. And we did her training as well as having her as a guest on the podcast. And My old studio, my builder just gave me lots of mirrors. So I was like, oh, great. That's really convenient for teaching aerial yoga so people can see everything. And just hearing how having a mirror in a space can be very not relaxing, can take people out of their own internal experience, can just make people feel more uncomfortable about their bodies. And especially if they do have you know, challenges in that area anyway, not a good time. So new studio has no mirrors and that was like an architectural change that we made. But also just navigating challenging situations, talking about death. We've spoken to a lot of 
people from the trauma-informed yoga world as well. So there's lots of different points of view about that. Like I think it's just been really helpful to be able to ask these questions that do come up and really unpack the answers even more so than if I was doing like a workshop or a teacher training with this person because I can just keep asking the rest of the questions. <laughs> so yeah, super awesome, something I'm super grateful for and probably what I consider my personal main thing I love the most about doing the podcast is getting to learn from these people and really dig into the stuff that like is my work and is my life that I'm, you know, always wanting to kind of grow with. Beautiful. Yeah. And I guess for me, so we pretty much started the podcast as I'd finished my yoga teacher training. So I guess for me, the podcast has almost been like an, an extension of my teacher training and, and I've had the opportunity to speak with so many amazing teachers who've very clearly influenced how I teach the class and teach my classes. And and I know over the years we, you know, we became exposed to accessible yoga and 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 groups like these, and uh, and that definitely, you know, informs a huge part of how I teach a class. And and I guess in, in a large way, it's affected the the yoga world as a whole, which is a great thing to see. So yeah, I think definitely just being able to learn from so many amazing teachers has has definitely changed the way that that I teach and can only be for the better. And hopefully we get to speak to many more amazing teachers who will teach me more. So Donna Noble, also a wonderful past guest of two previous episodes. Her book is great as well, Body Positive Yoga, Teaching Body Positive Yoga, and her yoga business is called Curve Some Yoga, asks, how has the yoga world changed since you both started your yoga journey? And I guess you answered that a little bit, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, I do believe that, you know, the concepts of accessible yoga, which, you know, Jivana Heyman argues are, are just the the concepts behind yoga, <laughs> have, have become more and more commonplace, uh, I, I think, especially around issues of consent, issues of accessibility, both of, of price, of, of affordability, and of, you know, being able to, you know, have a fulfilling class for everyone so no i think i think definitely the the world has has moved in a positive direction there and i mine's a bit more negative than that mm. i think the i think it's so much harder to make a yoga teacher to be a yoga teacher as your full time living than when i first started i see on facebook you know cover my class posts class covers like oh yeah it's 50 dollars for 45 minutes that's like pilates one normally or 60 dollars for an hour that is what I got for my very first classes when I finished my teacher training almost 18 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So the the hourly rate at a regular gym class is the same. And back when I first finished my training, it was pretty easy to get those classes at the gym. I usually taught like about 15 classes a week. That was a super comfortable income when I was in my mid-20s. I like now so much harder. Everything else is so much more expensive. There's so many other teachers. So I don't even think it would be that easy to fill your full-time roster if that's the way that you're going. And gyms probably pay the lowest rate, but you just rock up and teach your class and then you can leave. Like even if you are getting more at a studio, you usually have to sign people in and clean up afterwards. So I think to be a 
just have this as your livelihood these days, you would have to be so much more switched into your own independent stuff, whether it's teaching corporate classes and private classes. And luckily, online has opened up as a possibility for that. So you wouldn't necessarily have to have a separate space in your house to be able to teach those classes. Like you could do it online from a corner of your living room and I teach a lot of online corporate classes as well. They tend to be one-offs for me, but that would definitely be another income stream. So I feel like the way that the yoga world has changed now is you 100% would have to generate a lot of your own business as a teacher versus just rock up and teach your class, which was like when I first started teaching, it was kind of unusual to have a website. Like that would be like, oh, you've got a website, huh? <laughs> I you know, like a mailing list, the same thing. So I think you just have to do so much more of the business of yoga stuff as an individual. And that takes up a lot of time as well. So I think that it definitely was easier to be a full-time yoga teacher mm-hmm. when I first started versus now. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And I guess one interesting thing, that conversation I we had with a student this morning, just talking about because I, I built the booking system for our website. I built the entire website. And this person was saying how it was a refreshing change to see that it wasn't using Mind Body Online. So I think it's kind of interesting just sort of noting how maybe certain technology has sort of locked a lot of studios into using that technology. And there seemed to be he, – he was – surprised to be able to find an aerial yoga studio because he couldn't find any on mind body online so it's sort of interesting that there are students out there kind of locked into this ecosystem that might think that there's only yoga you know they can only find yoga classes through mind body so no i I thought that that was an interesting and this is a totally organic (laughs) segue which I can't believe I'm saying, but if you don't want to be with MindBody and you can't build your own website, we recommend Offering Tree because it is actually really reasonable and you can make your own website and email list and booking system and share your online classes. And we do have an affiliate link, which I can put in at the end of this episode. So I guess that is like, you don't have to do this all on your own. There are actually systems and technology that can help you. And it doesn't have to be mind body. <laughs> mm-hmm. I believe if you go to offeringtree.com slash flow artist, that should take you to, that should give you a slight discount. Yeah, we'll put the link in our show notes. Absolutely. <laughs> that was completely unplanned. <laughs> I know. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right. So this is another yoga business question. This one comes from Jeanette Coleman from Young at Heart Australia, who is a friend of the podcast and a lovely listener. She asks, how are you coping as we head into our fourth year living with COVID and what have you found is helping you deal with the anxiety around living without restrictions and the continued uncertainty of this time? Do you feel like it is still having an impact on small yoga businesses as well? I think we've still noticed that I think recently there was a bit of a a resurgence and we did notice that during that time I don't know if it was a coincidence but our numbers definitely tanked (laughs) during that time so I do think it is still having an effect personally I think I've I've been lucky I I still haven't yeah neither of us have had it had COVID so I'm very grateful for that 
But yeah, I think it it's obviously still out there. It's still affecting a lot of people, especially people who might be living with chronic illness or disability. So it's something we try to be mindful of and, you know, considerate of other people's needs. So yeah. And I know some of those people are in our online community, so I will definitely continue to offer online classes because people have told me that they're probably just never going to be in the state where they want to come back into an in-person class because of immunity reasons. So to be able to still um, have online as an option for people living with that, I think is really important. We dropped our class capacity, like when it was social distancing time, we went from 12 people in person, eight people in aerial hammocks to four people max for all classes, just because of the shape of our room. We have since kind of stepped that back up. There aren't restrictions anymore, but we don't feel like people are as comfortable being as close to other people in the room as they used to be. So we we went to five aerial hammocks. Now we've gone to six. That feels like about the right fish. And with our mat classes, capacity is eight, but I'm finding that it's super regular for there to be less people in person and more people online for all of our mat classes because sometimes it's nice to do yin in your pajamas. So even if it's not an immunity reason, even if it's just like, oh, I really like practicing from home, then that's something that's really changed. And I think once you've got all your stuff at home as well, your bolsters, your foam rollers and everything, that makes it a very convenient place to practice. Also, like if your own energy levels are lower, maybe you have energy for the class, but not to get there and back. I think it's great for people with chronic illness or just busy lives. The other things that I'm just going to continue to do in class is how I manage the props because everything that is cleanable, we clean every class and then I still rest it for 72 hours. Things that are not as practical to clean, like a fabric bolster, we just rest that for 72 hours before we use it again. And I'm, maybe other studios still do this. I don't really notice it when I go into other places, but it's something I'm like, well, I feel like I don't want to just stop being as clean and careful as I can be when we already have these systems in place. And mm. we also have a HEPA filter that we put on when the windows are closed to kind of take virus particles out of the air. So that's another thing that I'll just keep using. Absolutely. And I think just personally, like I kind of touched this at the start, like I haven't actually run a workshop since the lockdowns times because I just had to cancel and reschedule so many. And we do still get a lot of cancellations in our classes and it's a small space, so it's really noticeable, but it's not unusual to have five people booked in and then run a class for two people. And we can do that because we teach all of the classes. But if I was paying another teacher to teach that class, I don't think that would be sustainable long-term. And I don't want to encourage people to come to class when they're sick. I want people to cancel if they feel like they could be a risk to themselves or others. So that is absolutely something that continues. And we just got to like work with that. And I guess online's another good option for that as well, because maybe they don't have to cancel, maybe if they're feeling okay, but someone at their work turned out to have COVID that day, then they can just practice at home instead. Absolutely. So now I believe we have an audio question, and this is from a friend of the podcast, Nicole B, and Joe is just about to cue it up. Hi, Joe and Ron. It's Nicole from Go Slow Yoga, sending you a message from Larrakia country at the top end of the Australian continent. I'd love to hear how you're enjoying presenting the podcast since you've made a shift in direction to expand beyond just the yoga sphere. 
And I'd also like to find out how you find all these really engaging and interesting people to speak to. I really love listening to your podcast and I look forward to many, many more. And I look forward especially to this episode. Thanks very much. See ya. All right. Maybe you'd like to go first. Sure. Well, it's really interesting actually because it was never our goal to just speak to yoga people. It's actually one of the reasons why it's not called the Yoga Podcast. But as time went on, we were approached by more and more yoga people. And so we ended up doing more and more yoga themed episodes. So it was a bit of a conscious choice to like actively reach out to a more diverse range of guests from different fields. And I think that as we started doing that, like if you reach out to someone who's maybe an artist or an activist and they don't know you personally and they have a quick look at your website and everyone else on your podcast is a yoga teacher, they're like less likely to say yes. But if there's a real mix of people, then people might see how they fit into the mix. I actually really love speaking to people from outside of the yoga world because even though I love yoga, I don't necessarily listen to that many yoga podcasts myself because sometimes I want to think about something that's completely unrelated to the work that I do. And so I, kind of, I listen to a lot of design podcasts and I used to listen to a lot of like feminist, like intersectional feminist comedy podcasts. And I actually really love the maintenance phase podcast. That's a current fave. So yeah, I really love speaking to people who are outside of the yoga world in theory, but often when you talk to people who are really focused on kind of living an ethical, meaningful life and making a positive difference in the world, like their values are very much in line with yoga philosophy. So it weirdly swings back to yoga. I'll also share how we find our guests. It's not unusual that me and Ryan have been like maybe at a friend's place and like met someone and kind of been like, oh, I think they'd be a good podcast guest. So I've reached out to people like that. Friends of friends, sometimes people will share someone with us and I always appreciate it if they check in with us before they send the group email with that person in there just in case we don't feel like that is quite the right fish. We get emails from publishers as well from people who've put yoga books out and I also email people who've written books or I just know from online so quite often I reach out to people and it has been mind-blowing the people who've reached out to who have had time for us and had said yes but if you're doing this yourself, maybe half the people won't answer your emails and that's fine. People are busy, so don't get disheartened if you have reached out to someone who you do really admire and don't be afraid to reach out again a second time a bit later, maybe in a different way, maybe when they've got a book coming out. <laughs> yeah, and also I know in the case of Laura and Ian, that was a recommendation from Mal from Australian Yoga Academy. So yeah, we have, we have lots of ways of, of finding guests or guests will find us and yeah, and in the case of Esme, she's actually a friend of ours, so we just kind of asked her and she said yes, and it was a really interesting, amazing episode. And yeah, I guess just to echo what Joe said, I think, you know, we never meant to just be a yoga podcast and, you know, we're interested in lots of, of different things, so there's lots of things we'd like to talk about and it's a really good excuse to talk about that subject, so yeah, that's what we do. And it's a really good excuse to like reach out to someone who you admire and like tell them they're awesome and also have a reason to connect with them because they probably don't have time to have a coffee with you. But, you know, if you're on a podcast, it's like helpful for their work as well. So I really love that life hack aspect of it. Nice. 
and we have another audio question so this is from Krista and we'll play that now hello Joe and Ran this is Krista Fairbrother aqua yoga coach and trainer thanks for asking me to submit in the past these listener response episodes have been my favorite so I really appreciate the opportunity to contribute I have two questions for you because your studio is called Garden of Yoga and I see your lovely gardening pictures on Instagram, how do you integrate outdoor spaces into your yoga practice? And how has that transitioned with all the changes COVID has brought? And question two, how do you bring the yoga philosophy of the elements into your teachings? And what suggestions do you have for other teachers looking to do this too? Thank you so much for those wonderful questions, Krista. I, ha I have thoughts. <laughs> the gardening is kind of my domain. And I actually, we're really lucky with the design of our studio because we have big sliding doors and big windows that open onto the garden. So I think that's kind of helpful with the COVID stuff. We can have a lot of fresh air flowing through. When I was teaching online only, I tried to bring as many plants with me as I could <laughs> into the frame. So people still had that experience, like they were joining us in the studio, being around plants and nature. Really, it helps my state of mind. I love it. So I've tried to bring that into our studio space, like practicing in a sterile white box does not feel relaxing for me. Like I, I love color, I love nature. So I definitely try and bring that in. And I actually think with COVID restrictions, practicing in nature in some ways, people are more open to it because there's a lot more scope for outdoor classes. I've been lucky enough to teach a class of the Get Active in Darabin program, I don't know, like maybe eight years or something. And that's in local parks and their community classes that the council runs. So practicing outside is great. And I find that it helps with the relaxation and the meditation so much being in the park, even though there's like traffic sounds, like there's surrounded by trees, you have the nature all around you. And it's actually a Pilates class that I teach. So meditation is not always part of Pilates, but people say how much they enjoy it. And some of the people I think may not have meditated in other ways in their lives. And so it's been a very kind of gradual, natural, organic way to kind of share that experience. When it comes to talking about the elements in the yoga practice, so I'm thinking you mean like earth, fire, air, water, and space. I actually find that having the aerial hammock gives me such a shortcut for that because you can already feel the contrast between the solidity of the earth beneath you and then you're in the air so you can feel that spaciousness and you can explore like fluid movement, which is an easy way to think about being in water. A lot of the postures are kind of quite fiery in nature. I don't always do that many of those ones, but if you did want to talk about Jathari Agni and that internal fire inversions are traditionally practices where we do heat the body just by changing our orientation in space and working with those energies within us. A previous episode with Dr. Kavitha Mohan, who's a, a South Asian aerial yoga instructor, she spoke a lot about how she brings the elements into her own aerial yoga practice. And just thinking about this topic makes me actually want to do another workshop and like a subtle body aerial yoga elements workshop because 
I usually don't use a lot of the Sanskrit and I don't really unpack the yoga understanding of the subtle body because I kind of want to get people out of their heads and into their own experience. So I don't want to throw a lot of like words and information at them. Like I usually try and actually draw people into their senses. So into that feeling of the ground beneath, into that expansiveness of the breath flowing in and really bring it back into their immediate experience of how those elements might be showing up in their bodies and in their practice at that moment. Beautiful. Well, as to that first question, I I like you. It was a a beautiful day this morning when I, I taught my class and I had the sliding doors open and, you know, even something as simple as you know, when I'm directing people with directions of the room, we've got the garden side of the room and, you know, we've got the, the green door side of the room, which is not so natural, but there's that instant exposure to, to nature there. And a funny thing happened in my class today. Our little cat, Nagano, or our big fluffy cat, He's Nagano, boy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, decided to stroll into the class and start rubbing up against people as they were doing their supported half moon pose. So that, that was that was a case of nature coming in to meet them. We had to have like we have another level of like consent in our classes. We have to have cat consent as we well. We do, we do, yeah. I check with everyone before I let them come in, but yeah, and they seem to enjoy that. So yeah, I think I think, you know, we're lucky we we do have that natural setting to our classes. The other thing that people have told us, which is nice, is to get to our studio, people have to walk through our front garden. It's got a couple of big trees and kind of down a little really narrow pathway and then into our back courtyard, which is pretty green and lush. And people kind of say, like, as soon as I walk into your back courtyard, I already start to feel calm. So I feel like nature actually does a lot of the work for us Mm. in terms of helping people settle into themselves, into that yoga state of mind and just kind of feel more in touch with their own nature. So yeah, I would like try and bring it into class however you can. And pot plants are great because (laughs) they can just sit there and work (laughs) for you. But as a teacher, I would encourage people to like use your senses. And I've even seen that as ways to help kind of navigate out of a panic attack as well. Like what can you feel? What can you hear? What are like three green things you can touch around you? So it does seem to be a just way of regulating mind and body that is across quite a other some other fields as well as yoga. Absolutely. One other thing I wanted to mention real quick is that my workmates and my day job for my birthday bought me a uh, ficus plant which is taller than me it's amazing yeah it's this like big beautiful like two meter tall tree (laughs) Uh uh-huh and so we put that into the studio so there yeah there is plenty of nature within our studio and outside so yeah and i believe we have one more question that is from dr kate regal van west we had our episode with her recently on on poi and she was an amazing guest so she asked I would like to ask, what is your favorite part and your least favorite part of doing the podcast? I think we've shared our favorite part already, which is our chance to speak and to learn from these amazing guests. And the least favorite part, oh my goodness, there's some really exciting news that I have not shared yet, which ties in with our least favorite part of doing the podcast. We got a new cat. (laughs) So the least favorite part of our podcast is like, we have to shut our new kitty heart 
into the furthest away room from where we record because she has a lot of FOMO. She does not like a closed door. So if she was just in our living room, which is next to where we do our podcast, you would hear her like squeaking and like rattling the doorknob with her paws. And because she's like a little loose cannon, Hart only has supervised outside time. So we can't just like put her in the backyard. Like Nagano, our big chill boy, he's out there sleeping on the deck right now. Like... Probably he will have rolled over in the hour that we've been talking on the podcast, but <laughs> Hart is, no, no, this girl is supervised outside time only. I'm going to tell you more about Hart's origin story, but did you have a least favourite part of doing the podcast run or a favourite part? Oh, I think I agree with you on the least favourite part. Actually, and on the favourite part, I, I really do enjoy our conversations. And sometimes, you know, we've spoken about this before, you know, we live in this little bubble, we put out the content and don't really, you know, we have a an idea of how it's being received, but it's only when you kind of talk to people that they sort of share how how it's helped them. And, you know, I remember when we spoke to Laura and Ian, that really helped them, the podcast helped them get through some really difficult times. So that that's a, actually an incredible honor to, to be told that. And, and we're obviously just honored that anyone wants to speak with us. So yeah, no, that is definitely my favorite part of the podcast. All right. So some more cat chat. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the cat gossip. Yeah. Yeah. So harsh. She is from Northern New South Wales. A beautiful friend of mine, Luca does wildlife rescue up there and like saw there was this mama cat and kittens in the bush. So environmental nightmare had to like get a whole team of people to try and catch these cats. Like they caught echidnas, they caught rats, they were catching everything in these cat traps finally got mama cat and the kittens and so she took them home and that's right when the floods hit so she was flooded into her house all these kittens like feral mama cat you know dealing with all of that playing with these kittens floods going on and finally things settled down enough that she could take them to like a lovely local shelter but because there's like a housing crisis still like there's still people who are living in tents on their properties or in like one room of their house that's been flooded No one has got like space or capacity to adopt any kittens right now. So Luca put out the call for her her Melbourne friends to see if anyone could take a kitten. We could definitely take a kitten. So she road tripped down in her van full of kittens and I think a couple of dogs as well to find homes for these animals. And oh my goodness, like harsh light of my life. She is so cute. She is so cheeky. Mm -hmm. She makes really cute sounds. She's like... <laughs> yeah, she's like a little sidekick. So yes, uh, she's gorgeous, and it, I don't know. I think it's. I feel like it's a weird thing to say, but it, it's sort of great having more like female energy in the house. She she brings little girl catness, which is really adorable. Like me, me and Nagano are just big hairy fluffy boys so <laughs> and she's so feisty she yeah. like so reminds me of one of my girlfriends like yeah. she's really cute she's really feisty she's creative you know she's a bit quirky <laughs> yeah she's petite she's curious yeah yeah she's, amazing. Yeah, she's hilarious yeah. <laughs> so yeah that that's harsh that is a new addition to our lives and there was another thing that i wanted to share this is coming up on saturday the 18th of march at 2pm and I'm going to put in the link in our show notes. It's a fundraiser for a local not-for-profit called Friends for Good and they are all about raising awareness of loneliness as a community issue and 
putting on programs to help address that and help people connect with other people in their community. I know they've got a phone line you can call. I'm going to be doing like a chair yoga and mindfulness workshop. And I think there's a watercolor workshop that they're running as well. And I just thought that it was a really nice thing to be a part of. Mm. I'm looking forward to sharing it. And if you want to come along, that would be really great. And I'll probably come along as well. Yep, so yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it should be great. So I guess finally, we would really love it if you enjoy listening to our podcast, if you could write us a review on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I can't remember what it's called now. I, I have an Android. I think it's Apple Podcasts now, yeah. Yep. Or on Spotify. Um, anywhere you'd like to write a review. Any, anywhere you'd that like would to be write lovely. a review. If you've got any comments you'd like to share with us on our Facebook page as well, just go to Flow Artist Podcast on Facebook. You can go to Garden of Yoga on Instagram or on Facebook. Yeah, so if you, you'd like to share anything with us, please do so. And I think that's all I have to say about that. Have you got any final thoughts, Joe? Yeah, so feel free to come to our studio birthday party celebrations and build a nature mandala with me. I would love to see you. Feel free to come to our regular classes as well. We're just at gardenofyoga.com.au and our studio is in Northcote. You can join us online or in person. We totally love it when people who know us from the podcast come. It's really special. I have heard some people say that it's very weird seeing a face attached to the voices that they know so well. So be prepared for that experience mm-hmm. if you've listened to us. Mm-hmm. Now you can see us too. <laughs> yeah. So I guess other than that, thank you so much for listening. Aroha nui. Big, big love. love.